Thanks, Maddie. It's, uh, it's great to be with you and great to see a lot of familiar faces. And uh, it seems like there's a lot that's been going on in your lives. So getting married, babies, teeth falling out, um, the, full, the full spectrum, really. I, I wanted to talk uh, about Barnabas and, and the fact that he's called the son of encouragement and really focus on encouragement and the need for encouragement. When, when uh, people get asked who's a great missionary from the Bible, people usually instantly think of Paul. But Barnabas was also significant uh, in mission as well, and so I want to give him his day in the sun. And a little bit about Barnabas. We see from these passages that he was an encourager, he was generous, and he was also humble. Um, the first verse that Matty read, it says, Joseph, a Levite from Cyprus, the apostles called Barnabas. And it's a really common thing in the Bible that someone gets given a name or their name is changed to reflect uh, who they are. And place names as well often reflected something about that place. And so his name means son of encouragement or effectively an encourager. And it says that he's a Cypriot. He's from Cyprus. Uh, I've been to Cyprus but only to the airport. I was just transferring through there. And I, I had a bit of time and a lot of airports have shops but this was a little different feel. It had like a marketplace feel instead of your normal airport shops. And uh, I love Turkish delight. Like, if I was in Narnia, I would have been done for. I would have sold my soul for a couple of pieces of Turkish delight. And so they had all these samples, all these different flavours of Turkish delight. And so I just did the right thing and, and tried them all. And then I thought the lady would really appreciate me going and telling her how much I loved her Turkish delight. And she just went stony-faced. And she said, it's not Turkish delight, it's Cypriot delight. And uh, I hadn't really looked at much of the geopolitical history of Cyprus, but apparently they don't like the Turks very much. The Turks took over part of northern Cyprus, I quickly learnt, and I sort of scurried away um, from her Turkish delight booth, decided it wouldn't be smart to take any more. It also tells us that he was a Levite. Uh, so the Levites were the priestly tribe, and the the tribes... Uh, each had allocated some land except for the Levites because they were the priests. And so others would give tithes to the, to the priests, which makes it interesting how he came uh, to get that land. But, but the Bible doesn't tell us about that. And then he's known for his encouragement. Uh, when I first went to Japan, we were missionaries in Japan for 12 years, and I couldn't speak much Japanese at all. All I could say was... My name is Owen, Watashi wa Owen des. And I'd say that. My wife Sarah would say it and they'd just bow politely. And I'd say it and they'd go, ah, Owen, Owen. And like, which I thought, man, I'm killing it here. They love me. And I, I asked somebody why they did that. And Owen means like to cheer or encourage, mainly like you do at a sporting event. And I thought, oh, that's pretty cool. But I, I wanted to live up to that uh, name in Japanese of being an encourager. It's also interesting we see his generosity. He sold land and brought the money to the apostles' feet. That's generous, but it's also really humble. Have, have you noticed at sporting events, if a sporting event is sponsored, which they usually are, um, usually the sponsoring company very discreetly makes a transfer of funds and just tries to keep their name out of the spotlight? No, that's not how it works. Like... Somebody win, wins Wimbledon and usually before you even hear from the winner, 
um, somebody no one really cares about comes on with this massive check, you know, as big as, as they can make it so everyone can see how generous they are, and they get a chance to speak, no one's really interested. But it's all about everybody knowing they're the ones that gave the money. But in contrast to that, he actually brought his money to their feet. You know, he kneeled down at their feet. Very humble. And he was, he was generous both with his money but also with his words as well. He really encouraged people. And one of the first ways we see that is he vouched for Paul. So in Acts 9, 26 to 28, it says, After Paul was converted and came to Jerusalem, disciples were afraid of him. What's crazy is that was three years after his conversion. We, we see that in Galatians. So it wasn't like he'd just become converted and it was all a bit new. It was three years later. But Barnabas vouched for him, said that he'd encountered Jesus, that he preached fearlessly. And he was then given basically the keys to the city of Jerusalem. He was given freedom to wander around. So they clearly really trusted what he had to say. Uh, we had some workers that were in Pakistan and they were actually in the same town as Osama bin Laden and we worked uh, with, with their parents in Japan and then I was later the supervisor for this guy, um, Brandon. And they'd often send prayer messages to their parents saying that the Taliban fighting has reached the valley next to their mountaintop town and they were pretty scared that they were going to come up the mountain. But strangely they never did and the reason was bin Laden lived there and they knew that there was a wealthy neighbour down the road in a compound, no idea who it was. Uh, and our, our workers ended up getting kicked out because there was only them and one other American family and they assumed that they were in cahoots uh, with the Mer American team that came and killed bin Laden. But, but you imagine post 9-11, you know, if, if Josh brings his friend Osama to your home group, says, hey, this is Osama, you may have known of him. It, a lot of people would be pretty scared pretty worried that, you know, this guy uh, is not coming with good intentions. And you'd have to really trust Josh to think, well, if Josh says he's okay, then, then I'm good with it. And that, that's what Barnabas was to Paul. He was also a really trusted representative of the disciples. So in Acts 11.22, there was news of the conversion of many Greeks in Antioch and it reached Jerusalem. And Gentiles, non-Jews converting was a new thing. And so the Jews were a bit wary. And the guy they, cho they chose to go and check it out was Barnabas, which again shows how much faith they had in him. So that's a little about who Barnabas was. He was an encourager, he was generous, he was well regarded. I wanted to look firstly at the need for encouragement. And one of the big reasons for a need for encouragement at the moment is so much uncertainty and anxiety um, COVID has hugely contributed to that. You know, health restrictions that keep changing, travel's impacted, the economy's impacted, and an anxiety generally uh, goes up. I'm sure all of you could tell stories of things that were cancelled for you uh, because of COVID. So I, I got um, given a present by my daughters uh, to have a weekend up in the hills, and we had it all booked, and it turned out to be the one weekend that, that uh, COVID caused a lockdown in Adelaide. That, that's just at the smaller end of the scale. But our, our daughter, um, Rachel, I mentioned, lives in Seattle. And when our daughter Jessica got married, Rachel was meant to be the matron of honour. 
and it turned out she wasn't able to travel because of COVID. And my girls had grown up, you know, imagining they'd be in each other's wedding, but she, she couldn't come, uh, which was a great disappointment. There's a slide uh, up there, that's, that's Jess's wedding, and my son-in-law is actually an electrical engineer. He works with Amazon putting satellites up. And he found out about this option. It's like a Segway with an iPad on the top. And Rachel could control it from Seattle. So she could, she could move it around. So we referred to her as a robo-rach. So it wasn't ideal, but, but it was better than not having any interaction at all. And I'm sure you guys uh, have, have many situations like that. In some of the countries our workers live, uh, Thailand, uh, India, the Philippines, uh, those people live hand-to-mouth. Like, they sell stuff in a market. If people can't gather in the market, they can't sell things uh, and then they can't eat. So very tough. Uh, we had uh, some workers in Myanmar and there was a military coup there and they stayed as long as they could. They had their two eldest kids at, at a daycare centre just down the mountain from where they were and they got a call saying that the police were on one side of the daycare and on the other side uh, of the daycare there was protesters and they started firing tear gas and rubber bullets and were told you need to come and get your kids. And so he flew down the hill on his motorbike through the kids on the back there crying and screaming took off with soldiers chasing them and uh, we had to evacuate them to, to Thailand and when the kids saw uh, soldiers in the, in the airport, they were, they were crying, they were terrified. So a lot of stress. Um, the, the next slide is from a movie uh, called Ready Player One and it's about uh, a, a dystopic future. Uh, things aren't very good and people live in a virtual reality and one of the quotes from the movie is, these days reality is a bummer. And I reckon people feel a bit like that at times, that reality is a bummer. Uh, life can be pretty tough. Another need for encouragement is online social pressure. People feel less than. Uh, they get trolled, they lack real connection, and they're trying to measure up to what they see other people doing on social media. They see a photo of the other person's one good meal uh, one good party, one trip. And the rest of their life might suck, but they're comparing it to that kind of artificial reality. And we're more connected by social media. You know, we might have a thousand or thousands of friends or followers, but we don't have someone to have lunch with. Uh, in this next slide uh, is Amelia Earhart. Uh, she was the first female to fly solo across the Atlantic Ocean. And she disappeared circumnavigating the globe in 1937, possibly because she flew on the front of the plane instead of in the cockpit. <laughs> that, that probably didn't help. But, but Amelia made a quote. She said, being alone is scary, but not as scary as feeling alone, which is interesting, isn't it? Uh, she, she could stand being on her own, but not, not feeling alone. Uh, in, in the next slide, there's a lot of people uh, in Japan... Oh, that's all right. We can go back one. Sorry, it's not there. A lot of people in Japan are surrounded by people. The trains are packed, are crammed in like sardines, but many of them are lonely. And there's a couple of weird dating services. One is just people wanting company with someone, 
and to hold someone's hand. That's as far as it goes, but they just want to feel some sort of social connection. And there's also other places, and it sounds dodgy, but, but it's, it's not. It's purely they want to go somewhere and get a hug. Um, Japanese talk about skinship, physical connection. Um, my wife, Sarah, had this lady who was quite suicidal. She ended up getting saved. And Sarah's, Sarah's instant reaction isn't to hug somebody, but she just felt prompted to hug this lady. And this lady said that was the first time she had contact with someone since she was a little girl. Her, her parents stopped hugging her when she was about seven or eight, and she hadn't had any physical contact since, which is pretty tragic. Uh, so a lot of people really feel that pressure. Lack of self-esteem and self-worth or being seen is another reason people need encouragement. Uh, people who are young parents, students, new in a job. Uh, my daughters love the movie Legally Blonde uh, and Al Woods is this kind of perky sort of law student um, with a, a pretty positive outlook and she worked in a politician's office and she set up a snap cup where you could put notes to people with warm fuzzies and the idea was that people feel seen. It's so important, that's a common expression now, I see you. Because people feel like they aren't seen. They feel like they don't count. Um, Sarah runs a couple of playgroups and, and Lynn uh, helps out at them. And a lot of the young mums, it's just a busy time of their life. And Sarah said on more than one occasion when she said to a mum, you're doing a good job, they burst into tears. That's the reason Sarah gives. I suspect she might be bullying them a little bit. But, <laughs> but it's such a powerful thing when someone's struggling and someone says you're doing a good job. In, in Genesis 16, um, Hagar, was, she was the servant of Sarai, who became known as Sarah, uh, Abraham's wife, who was then Abram. And Sarai actually offered up uh, her helper to bear a child to, to Abram uh, because she wasn't, wasn't able to have one or it didn't appear she was able to have one. And then she started mistreating Hagar when she was pregnant with the child. And so ha- Hagar ran away. And God pursued her and told her uh, to go back. And he told her a bit about the child that she was carrying. And in verse 13, Hagar said, it says, She gave this name to the Lord who spoke to her. You are the God who sees me. For she said, I've now seen the one who sees me. Isn't that kind of cool? It seems like a new expression, I see you. But, but way back then, God acknowledged that he saw her. Well, what are the results of encouragement? They're the reasons people feel discouraged, or some of them. Uh, on the next slide uh, is a guy, the tall guy is known as LBJ, Lyndon Bain Johnson. And uh, the guy on the left uh, is, is JFK. The Americans love their initials, so John F. Kennedy. And LBJ had to step into the role of president when Kennedy was assassinated. And a quote by LBJ that I really love. He says, any jackass can kick a door down, but it takes a carpenter to build one. Any jackass can kick a door down, but it takes a carpenter to build one. So being destructive, saying negative things about people, uh, it's kind of not that hard to do, but being constructive uh, is is a lot more valuable. The first thing it does is it strengthens the body. So... Barnabas encouraged Paul in his ministry, which, which helped the church tremendously. In Acts 11.23, 
um, Barnabas was in Antioch. And it says, when he arrived and saw that the grace, what the grace of God had done, he was glad and encouraged them all to remain true to the Lord with all their hearts. So he encouraged them for the progress that was going on. In Acts 11, 25 and 26, it says, Then Barnabas went to Tarsus to look for Saul. And when he found him, he brought him to Antioch. So for a whole year, Barnabas and Saul met with the church and taught great numbers of people. The disciples were called Christians first at Antioch. So in response to what was going on, he brought in in Saul, which really brought him into the ministry, gave him an opportunity to teach, but also helped the church. And next, we're greatly encouraged by words of encouragement. In the book of Philemon, uh, chapter 1, verse 7, it says, Your love has given me great joy and encouragement because you, brother, have refreshed the hearts of the Lord's people. I don't know when you last felt refreshed. Um, Often for people, it's a holiday. You know, you go away and just feel really refreshed. Then you go back to work and you, you lose that feeling again. But to refresh your heart, that's a really deep thing. Uh, just just that sense of, of joy and encouragement. In, in the next slide, when, uh, when I arrived in Japan, uh, I, I knew three words of Japanese. And I'd, I'd worked as a lawyer for the previous 11 years. And my job was to communicate. I was paid to communicate. And suddenly I couldn't order a cup of coffee. It was incredibly discouraging. And my wife, Sarah, her language helper, and she went to our church as well, was this lady called Oishi-san. And I didn't know her very well at all. We hadn't been there that long. And she said to Sarah, Owen was born to be a missionary. And I felt like she had no basis to say that at all. Like I was checking flights back to Australia almost weekly. Uh, I I couldn't communicate with people. Uh, My family was struggling. Uh, I'd, I'd met one Japanese guy and he found out I was a lawyer and he said, what a waste of time that you're coming to Japan. And I kind of wondered whether he was right. But this lady's comment that I felt she had no basis for encouraged me a lot. It actually helped, helped to sustain me and particularly the fact she was Japanese. And pastors and leaders uh, need encouragement. I know your leaders here, it's, it's been about a year uh, without a pastor and that's that's pretty demanding i'm sure they need encouragement and i understand um it's possibly not long until you till you have a new pastor and and that pastor is going to need encouragement as well when i was at uni uh, the church i went to got a new pastor and i used to go up to him most weeks and say that was a great message uh during his first year and at one point he said look that's really nice you to say that but he said i you know, I'm, I'm um, feeling pretty good about things and, you know, I, I don't really need that constant encouragement. Feel free to encourage somebody else. And a couple of years later, he came back to me and said, actually, if you did give me a bit of a pump up every now and then, I, I wouldn't mind that. But we're pretty free in the church to criticise our leaders, probably more so than in a workplace. Um, I'm sure Neil's been on the receive, prob- probably not Neil, but... Maybe other pastors have been on the receiving end of criticism. And people feel very free to do that. Like if Neil was their CEO, there's no way they'd say half the things that that Neil's been told. And that's just by Lynn. Um, But but the other thing is that it it grows the body. In in the next slide, um, 
Steve Waugh uh, was the new Australian cricket captain and Australia had an appalling record in India up to that time. We just went there and got belted. Uh, we couldn't play spin. Uh, we didn't like the heat. We didn't like the food. Um, people like Warner used to ship over, you know, boxes full of baked beans because they <laughs> didn't want to eat the local food. And before the India tour, Steve War said, attitudes are contagious. He said this to the team, attitudes are contagious. Is yours worth catching? And he wanted people to just embrace being in India. Let's not go there thinking this is going to be terrible, this sucks. Let's make the most of it. And he went out and about, he took photos, he met the local people and he was really well loved and he changed their attitude to India and, and they started doing well in India. In Acts 11.24, it says about Barnabas, he was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and faith and a great number of people were brought to the Lord. What's really cool is it links who he was with people coming to faith. You know, he wasn't just on the sidelines giving rounds of applause. His encouragement actually fueled evangelism, fueled mission. And at the end of the day, it's relationships that bring people to Jesus. So when I travel and, and visit missionaries, they're all doing a range of different ministries, really diverse. Um, some, some are doing sports ministries. We've got a, a cricket academy for kids in India and we've got, we've got medical ministry, cafes, community centres, uh, orphanages, schools. But all of it is about finding a need and helping to meet the need and building relationships. And it's no different in Australia. Building those relationships is what gives you the opportunity to show people Jesus' love and also to share about him. And a big part of who Barnabas was was he was an encourager. The Jews were really wary of bringing in Gentiles but his encouragement allowed the gospel to go forward to the Gentiles. There were some that would have said, no, we've got to draw a line, you know, it just stays with the Jews, but not Barnabas. And his encouragement of John Mark allowed him to have a significant ministry and mission. Barnabas wasn't a wimp. Jesus can often be portrayed as gentle Jesus, meek and mild and a bit of a wimp. And then you see him upending the tables in the temple is a classic illustration that he wasn't a wimp and he served it up to the Pharisees time and time and again. And Barnabas certainly wasn't a wimp. Paul didn't want to take John Mark with them, uh, Barnabas's cousin, on their second missionary journey because he didn't do too well on the previous one. But Barnabas insisted to the point he and Paul went their separate ways. But as a result, John Mark developed to the point that in Colossians 4 verse 10, Paul actually mentions John Mark being with Paul in prison and he actually asks the church to welcome him if he visits them. Really significant turnaround. So in terms of application to us, I'd love you to think about who you know who needs encouragement. I have no doubt uh, there's at least one person and probably several. They may be feeling uncertain or anxious. They might feel that they're less than other people. They may feel unseen or unworthy. And often it can be people going through significant transitions. So they're a, they're a new parent, they're new to the church, they're, they're new to this area, maybe newly retired. When you see someone needing encouragement, don't just think about, some, about it, do something. Uh, this next slide is a, a, a famous coach 
um, called John Kennedy. He coached Hawthorne and he also coached North Melbourne. And he was a pioneer of fitness. He really got his players up to a good level of fitness, which was a, a bit of an unusual thing. You know, prior to that, they'd be having a beer and a smoke at half time, but he, he pushed them really hard. But one of his famous sayings is, don't just think, do. And he'd bellow that, don't just think, do. And in terms of encouragement, there's, there's off, and I'm guilty of this, I'll see times where I think, yeah, I really should give such and such a call or have a coffee and then I get caught up in other things and I don't do it. And it's no value to them that I thought of it. Uh, but if, if you get prompted, uh, do something about it. Say something encouraging. Send an encouraging message. Uh, give them a call. And I'd encourage you to encourage your church leaders. Um, by all means, if you see something that's a concern, let them know about that. I'm not, I'm not saying uh, don't hold them accountable, but, but do encourage them. I, I think there's probably more trying to make leaders accountable than there is encouraging in the church. So just in conclusion, encouragement's really important to each of us. It's a powerful way that you can strengthen the church and also strengthen its members. And it's, it's a powerful way you can show God's love to someone and introduce them to Jesus. You can let them know they're special and it may open the door for them knowing how special God thinks they are. And my prayer for each of you is that you'd be known as a son or daughter of encouragement. Let's pray. Dear Lord, I really thank you for Glen Osmond Baptist, Lord. I thank you for the way that you've used them over so many years to be salt and light in this community, Lord. Lord, I thank you for being with them during this time of transition between pastors uh, thank you for their leaders lord and the way that they've stepped up and others that have helped them to take on extra responsibilities during this time and lord i thank you for the search process and those that are involved in that and uh, just pray that you give the church wisdom and guidance uh, as as they vote shortly lord and whenever the timing is of the new pastor lord i just pray that they would be an encouragement to that person And uh, I pray that people would come to know uh, Glen Osmond Baptist as a place uh, where they can see your love in action. In your name we pray. Amen.